Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 88, No Man is an Island, recorded February 27th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week, we're going to have sort of a philosophical discussion uh, about... Uh, uh, something that came to me uh, th- as a part of a conversation this week, and it's a little convoluted, and uh, we'll get to it as as the show goes on. But first, let me introduce my uh, always ever present co-host, Mr. Sean Kaiba. Welcome back, Sean. Hey, it's good to be back. It's welcome uh, back it's to the really, land of the connected. Yeah, let me tell you, it has been three weeks of pure hell. And uh, so uh, for those of you that don't know, I recently moved. And uh, with that, you, you know, you always have to get your services set up, right? So you get your electric, get your water and all that kind of stuff set up. And uh, I don't know. I might have complained about this in a previous show. I'm well, sure yeah, you, I probably We did. talked about the fact that you were tethering last time you were here with us. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, right. So they have to send me a router and flip a switch. And that takes three weeks. So... You know, <laughs> I, I can go on and on about that, but it was frustrating to say the least. So literally I got my router, I think it was on Friday and my, my setup date was today. And literally they say, you know, don't turn it on or plug it in until eight o'clock and we start at nine. So <laughs> yeah, I was, I was rushing around. I'm, uh, you know, I've got two kids in the bath and at the same time I'm like back and forth with this router, trying to get everything configured and make sure, you know, I'm up and running by the time we, uh, we start the show. So. Uh, by virtue of the fact you are listening to me, it worked. Yeah, and then while he was doing all that, I was having my own little meltdown here on my end. Um, yesterday, I do two shows on Sunday, and yesterday during the uh, second, no, the first show, my well, my Skype machine. It's a it's a big multi core, super powerful uh, machine that I have all the I run uh, all the Skype instances on. Just sort of spontaneously shut down. Um, and I didn't really do anything to it, but after a couple of minutes, it came back and then I finished that show and did a whole other show and it was fine. Today I come out here to turn it on and nothing, no, I turn it on. It goes beep, 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 beep. And anybody who's ever worked on, on computers know what knows that's a, that's a major issue. So, uh, I, I don't have time to troubleshoot that. Hopefully I can fix it. I don't know. But the reason I have this machine was it was a castaway from uh, from where I, where I work because it was having problems there. And I thought it was in a, a heavy use situation there. And I thought, well, here, it, it you know, it's a light load. So I think it's just gone. I think it's just dead. So I had to run quickly and grab a backup laptop that didn't even have Skype on it. Um, and I had to go plug that, uh, hook that all up and set it up. All while Sean's trying to get internet going, so yeah, we're starting a little bit late tonight, but we're here. Yeah, quite a little dance on both ends. It's funny how often we uh, we manage to do things like that. Uh, that that reminds me of uh, last year at TCEA, you know, and, and uh, I think we also did that that presentation we did at that school district uh, at that time. It seems like every time we we go mobile and have to set everything up, there's that last minute you know dance you have to do. This this isn't working right, or that's you know not doing what we wanted it to. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that one. That's the that's the episode X that we hope you never hear. We recorded that episode for the day that one of us can't be here or we just can't do a show. So if you ever hear that one. It means that something went so wrong that we couldn't even get a show out. But uh, uh, we had forgot. We packed up all the board and everything, but forgot to bring the power cable to it that day. 
That was a big. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it's uh, it's not it's not just like a standard three prong plug. Luckily, we had we had we had brought two boards because we were going to do one for the show and one to do live demos on, and so we had to just scrap the live demo idea and and just do the show. So there's always something when you when you pack up all this equipment and travel. Yeah, and it, that goes back to what I often tell teachers. You know, uh, and I try to do it in a non-scolding manner, but you know, anytime they like, uh, you know, work out some, uh, you know, their lesson plan for the day, and it involves technology, and something goes wrong, and they have no backup plan whatsoever. And I know from experience, whenever we look to do something, we have like a plan A and a plan B and a plan F and a right. plan, B, you know, I mean, <laughs> because you just never know, uh, you know, something is bound to go wrong. So yeah, and I'm I'm sort of uh, OCD about that sort of thing about Uber preparedness, and so I'm like, you know. Uh, uh, I'm going to download my presentation, which is online, but I'm going to make sure I have an offline copy. And in case that doesn't work, I'm going to download it as a PDF. And then I might need just go ahead and print out handouts if I need to. I'm learning Morse code just in case I lose my voice. You know, it's kind of... Uh, that, well, that goes back to TCEA too, because you not only had like multiple copies of it, you gave a copy for me to put on a pen drive so that I would have that's it. That's right. And I brought... I guess. I brought Somehow, two laptops yeah. in case one went down. I had the other one. I had the other right. one all set up with the presentation, and I could just swap in if I needed to. Yeah, yeah. I think the only way that presentation was not gonna be, was not gonna show up was like I don't, you know, if an act of God, like right. you know, Austin flooded or something. Yeah. I mean, the tornado it, it was gonna rips happen. off the roof of the convention center. Otherwise, <laughs> we are good to go. Right. <laughs> All right, so uh, you are uh, a proud papa of some well, new I things had, here. I had one of those weird meta moments. Um, if you've ever seen uh, the classic Steve Martin movie, The Jerk, uh, there's there's that scene in there where uh, his I think his uh, boss <laughs> or his dad tells him you're not you're not anybody until your name's in print, and then yeah. you know the phone company the phone book comes and his name is in there and he looks at it i'm somebody i'm so and he's running around well i had one of those moments today i finally got around to getting business cards for element op productions and it Very was one of those nice. you know it was i'm somebody i've got a business card but on the other hand it was it was one of those weird meta moments sort of a a seinfeld worlds are colliding moment why would i need a print business card for an entirely online business but you know i i, I have worked where in my current job right now I'm finishing up my 15th year there. I have never once had business cards there. Uh, I just, I'm just not a business card kind of guy. I, 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 somebody says, you know, what's your contact information? I'll email it to you or something like that. Back in the old Palm days, I would beam it to them. Uh, but oddly enough, I get asked for business cards far too often because apparently elementop.com is hard to remember. So people want something um uh, tangible so that they can read it. So yeah, I, I went all 1996. I've got my web address on my business card. So I'm, I'm happening now. <laughs> well, you never know. You might run into Rupert Murdoch or something. You know? <laughs> 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 Who doesn't know what the internet is. Right. Right. It's that passing fad, you know? Right. So those, people those will be people, buying newspapers again anytime now. Yeah, all those people who steal his content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so the, the topic at hand this week um, is one that we've sort of danced around in a, in a few different ways, and, and you'll have to forgive me, this is sort of convoluted. I, I never was able to uh, sort of get the idea fully out of my head, and so I'm hoping that 
the discussion with Sean can can draw that out. But it's still it's still thoughts I I haven't yet uh, codified yet, um, and I'm going to say yet like seven times in that sentence. Uh, okay. But the the I'm I'm calling it no man is an island, and uh, with all due respect to John Wayne, um, we geeks who often prov- pride ourselves on being unusual, on being unique, on on doing what nobody else has done, and and that can be a good thing. I mean, I have sort of built my career on doing things the non traditional, non standard way, the tightwad tech way. I mean, I we have been here now for eighty eight episodes telling you about our way of doing things because it's it's different and and we believe in the differences and i'm not, I'm not going to say that my faith in that has been rattled but it, a conversation i had earlier this week uh led me to um maybe rethink a few things i i went for a job interview uh that's no secret you know i've mentioned on the show a number of times that i'm looking for a, a new job um uh, and i uh I'm clearly never going to get this job, by the way. <laughs> so I feel okay with saying this. Oh, okay. And I'm, I'm not sure if they offer me the job that I even want it. So uh, I'll just leave it at that. But I had a uh, feeling that was going to happen. And we, I guess we should tell people we were talking a little bit about this before uh, before we went on air. So, uh, But, yeah, I was kind of getting that feeling out of you that you really weren't too sure you even wanted it. Right. Uh, it's a. It's just a – it's it's at a, a a regional service center. I don't know how other states do things, but in Texas there are twenty regional service centers. Texas is divided up into twenty regions, and uh, based on your physical location, you are served by these uh, service centers. And these service centers can do any number of things. Typically, they handle things like your student information system. Uh, most schools, you know, uh, you might hear about Power School or something like that. Uh, most schools buy that service from whatever their service center supports. So all their training, all their documentation comes through this regional service center. And and it's not uncommon, uh, becoming less so actually, for uh, ESCs, educational service centers, to be uh, internet service providers as well. Uh, so the, these back when it was difficult to get broadband, uh, the the service centers would uh, would build out their own wide area networks to serve their schools, and so a a service center might serve twenty schools or or two hundred schools, depending on the area and the size of the schools. Uh, and so this job was at a, a, an educational service center, and it was a, a network technician job. So I would be uh, one of the people responsible for managing their wide area network of about fifty schools, and the the way that they. Um, feed them internet and email and like they were telling me that they wanted to set up an exchange server and ask me if I would be comfortable with that to which I had to say um I can do it would I be comfortable <laughs> doing it not so much have you ever heard of a thing called google uh but right. uh but, but anyway it was uh I met their senior technology uh, network technician essentially and he was a lot like me in a lot of ways uh, and, and I count that as a good thing. I, I like me, so I'm not going to disparage a guy who's like me. Um, but he, he was very proud uh, of the open source technology that they'd used. And I was, you know, I'm all for that. Uh, and he was, he was talking about how they've uh, homegrown a lot of their solutions, like all of the schools, the, the 50 or 60 schools in their network, they, they have provided that they're providing internet access for, they provide firewalls. Now, 
in my position at my school, I have always wanted my internet service provider to, to do that, to provide me a pipe and nothing else. I don't want any other right. services. They always they all offer uh, uh, filtering. And I always tell them, I want my filter opened wide up. We will control that locally. Often they offer email. As soon as possible, I got, got off of our I, uh, ISP's email 11 years ago or so. So well, and and I guess to be fair, that makes sense in some instances. I mean, some of the schools that they're sending these services to, it's like a, a teacher that part time right. does some of this technology stuff that you know couldn't configure a firewall locally, anyways. Right. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I, I, there are people who want that service and who clamor for it. And um, I, I a, a very good friend of mine, um, who is a technology director, uh, is not terribly technical at all. He is a manager. And so for him, everything is outsourced. Everything is a contract. And so when he gets internet service from his regional service center, um, they become essentially his, in his network technician. They, they're in charge of the firewall. They're in charge of the content filter. He doesn't even want the passwords. Um, you know, and, and I'm, you can say that's good or bad, but that's just what works for him and for his school. And he's providing service and, they haven't fired him, so his school must be happy with it. So, you know, I'm not going to judge that. My philosophy always was we want to do everything locally. We want, we want our data on our network. Uh, just give me a pipe. And so uh, as a result of that, we don't even go through the service center anymore because I was able to secure much more bandwidth at a much lower cost uh, going on the, the to a private local vendor. So anyway, as I'm talking with this, this guy there, um, he's talking about the fact that they have a, a firewall built on OpenBSD, and he's quizzing me on my uh, command line foo. And I was thinking, I, I wish <laughs> I wish Chris Neves were there with me. Uh, oh wow, and, yeah, yeah. And they they literally gave me a test and said this is to test your Linux knowledge. Now I have been a Linux administrator for more than ten years. I have Linux servers all over the place. By any objective standard, I am an expert in using Linux in both the desktop and in the enterprise. These questions they had of, there was like a 27-question test. I could answer partially three of them, and I could answer completely one of them. Okay. So, so they're, they're going for the super obscure. Right. And it, was, it wasn't a Linux test. and that, it, They thought it was a Linux test, but it wasn't a Linux test. It was a... Um, it was a terminal command knowledge test. Like there was a list of regex commands. What do these do? What does the dollar sign do? What does the caret sign do? What does the the uh, um, tilde do? Um, and they listed a couple of dozen ports, like uh, a standard internet ports, 53, 143, 445, 995, and they wanted me to list what they were for and what services might use them. Now, I, I can do that. I have that knowledge. But that's not Linux knowledge. That's not a Linux test. Right. That, that is a that is a an arcane um firewall knowledge test. Um and it was like uh in Perl, how would you accomplish this? That's that's not a Linux test either. That's a Perl test. Lots of Linux people don't know Perl. Lots of people know Perl who don't know Linux. You know, those two things don't necessarily go together. But right. And so it, it set the tone for me 
um, of of what what the 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 mindset was there. They 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 had their terms. Um, I don't want to say confused. They they had they had their terms, and they were not my terms. So I, I literally was speaking a different language than they were. They were asking about my Linux knowledge, and I was saying, "Well, sure, I can you know I can do all sorts of stuff there," but they. The, they're, they weren't asking about my Linux knowledge. They were asking about the handful of things that they do using Linux. You see the difference there? Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and I guess, I mean, that's, that's important to them, I, right. I suppose, but uh, I don't know. That, it, I, I, maybe this, I can see where you're wrestling with this topic because uh, you'd like you'd like to think that you could find a person that has all that specific knowledge, but, uh, that's, that's pretty tough to do. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm not mad at them. I'm not saying they're dumb. I don't think they were wrong. Uh, they were just doing things their way. And, and, uh, I have for 15 years done things my way. So it kind of made me think about what it would be like to come to my school. Um, and they were they were talking about how they have everything documented, and they they would uh, they're looking for somebody they could train up in the way they do things. And I and I made that comment during the interview. It was a it was an almost two and a half hour interview process. It was very extensive. Um, and one of the comments I made was that you you don't really adhere to any um, established way of doing things. Everything you do is unique and homegrown. So anybody, whether you hire me or not, anybody who comes in here is going to have to spend a lot of time learning your way of doing things. And you, this, you've set up a system where you are forced to keep continuity of leadership. If your entire tech department leaves at once, you're screwed. I, I said yeah. it more diplomatically than that. Um, and that offended the senior network guy. He, he was visibly upset with me for having said that. Um, and so, yeah. If they well, ever yeah, listen to this did, podcast, I am so not going to get offered that job now. <laughs> but, but did you did you did you follow that up with uh, you know what I've created is essentially the same though? I mean, no, I, I they weren't in the mood for follow up at that point. It was, <laughs> okay. uh, but see, I I have a couple of rules, and one of them is if you ask for ask me a question, I'm going to give you the answer, and I would I wouldn't have I wouldn't have said that I wouldn't have mentioned it except they asked my opinion mm-hmm. um like the uh, i heard the 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 poet taylor molly say one time he said i have a rule about honesty and ass kicking if you ask for either one of them i have to give it to you um <laughs> and so <laughs> um i i kind of uh maybe not the second part but my rule is if you ask me a question i'm going to answer it that's my personal rule i'm going to give you the truth and not necessarily the uh, the answer you want to hear and so they were asking about um you know, whether I thought I had the skills to do what they do. And my honest assessment was nobody outside of these four walls has the skills to do what you want to do. It doesn't exist. You have created an entirely unique blend of things. And so, um, no, I mean, do I have the technical chops to catch up with you? Sure. Can I walk in day one and be a productive member of your staff? No. Yeah. Well, uh, that, and this is what they were missing is the fact that that situation pretty much, I mean, that exists just about anywhere you go. Right. 
Um, and, and I think uh, I remember when we talked to Seth about uh, uh, certifications and things like that. And you can, you know, you can be an MCSE and you can walk into an all Microsoft shop and there's still going to be some OJT that's going to need to occur. Right. And that's totally understandable. But you shouldn't be entirely lost upon walking in the door. So, yeah. so I thought I would ask you. Now, now this is not fair of you because this was your first tech job. Right. You had no base of knowledge at all. Knowing what you know now about the setup that I have where, where I work and where you used to work, could a, a knowledgeable expert in the field come into to that office and be productive day one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so why is that? What have I done to make that possible? Uh, well, one, I think you're using systems that kind of go together well. Uh, you're, uh, the open source that you're using is fairly straightforward. It's uh, not obscure. Um, I, think if, I think any uh, knowledgeable tech, if they were just given a list of these are the things that we use, and here's the passwords, they should be able to probably go in and figure it out. Um, uh, yeah, uh, certainly if somebody went in there and had zero Linux knowledge, they would probably struggle. They'd have to lean heavily on somebody. Hopefully they would have a friend or somebody <laughs> that, that had that knowledge. But, uh, but I know, uh, and what I loved, one thing I loved about working there that I really miss so much now is that, uh, I mean, you said it, Mark. That was my first tech job, and a couple years into it, I'm doing a lot of this administrative type stuff right. because you were able to turn a lot of that over to me. Um, and I'm not going to say that I'm dull by any means, but you know, uh, I, I certainly didn't have uh, you know wide ranging experience, and yet you were able to fairly quickly train me up and hand off some of that stuff to me. You know, and I could go into those systems and, uh, you know, change configurations or, you know, um, it was really neat to, to come out of that job and be able to like, you know, the backup server and know how that operates and, and feel like I could set one up on my own or a fog server, uh, you know, imaging servers and things like that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I figure if I can get it, then yeah, somebody who's already maybe has some experience on that end, uh, should be able to walk in there and pretty much make it work. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, <clears throat> that I said during the process of this interview was I'm not a command line guy. I'm a GUI guy and GUIs work with a much lower level of knowledge than the command line. So if I can understand um, the concepts behind routing and firewalls and port forwarding, I can move from any standard way of doing that you know, whether it's uh, PFSense or, or uh, Iron Gate or, you know, whatever, um, because I understand how natting works and how port, port forwarding works and how stateful packet inspection works, I can be confident on pretty much anything. But the system that they had home rolled there, when, 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 they, when he was describing the system, I, I said, well, it sounds like PFSense. Is that what you're using? And he said, well, no, it's the core it's the kernel that they use to build the kernel that they use to build pfsense on um so yeah, it was uh, it was like the uh, pfsense uh, uh bsd was forked into something else which was then later forked into pfsense 
with the web GUI on it. Um, and I go back to that original just after the fork, but before the PF sense people got a hold of it. And so I was like, well, is there, is there a web interface? Is there a GUI? Is there anything? No, it's, it's just a, it's a terminal. It's a black screen with white text and that's how you interact with it. And I, and I was like, okay. Why? Uh, yeah, that was my question. It's why? It's like, I, okay. I mean that, that can certainly work and I don't have a, a, a problem with that. Um, but I don't understand it. And, and so that was, again, they asked me the question. I had to give them the answer. And it was, I, I don't understand why you made that choice. I'm not saying it doesn't work. Clearly, it does work. They have it deployed at a lot, to, a lot of different places. But now, that guy at that service center is the only person on the planet who can administrate that device. Because it's got custom scripts that he's done his way. The, 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 the tech director, the me, at one of their schools... To him, it's an appliance. It's an enigma. He can't do anything with it. There's no, there's no access to it. Um, and some people would say that's a good thing, right? You know, you don't want those those jarheads monkeying with it. Well, why not? It's their network. You're putting something in their school. They are paying right. you for the service, uh, so they should have access to it. You know, I I get um, I bristle when people want to give me things that I'm paying them for and restrict me on it. I'm not paying for restriction. I'm paying for the product. Yeah, slipped in the chat room says it's a Boris box. It's it's even more than a Boris box. It's a uh, it's like a, a Boris's grandfather's box. Uh, <laughs> and and again, I'm trying really hard. I'm I'm making light of it and I'm making jokes, but I'm trying not to be disrespectful because I don't I don't doubt the effectiveness of what they do. I'm sure it works and works really well. But it you've created a situation where one person has all the knowledge. And if he gets hit by a bus, then what? Yeah. And Sean, you and I had this discussion about a year ago uh, when I first started seriously looking for work. I asked you that same question. I get hit, hit by a bus. What do you need to know? And so you and I had that discussion, and now we have a big red DVD with the letters for emergency or in case of emergency written on it that I keep in my desk. And it's got... Um, everything that, as far as I can tell, everything that a, a knowledgeable person who is already an expert in technology would need to know to to start running day one. It's got all the passwords. It's got all the configurations. I, it's of course, you know, I just mentioned I'm so OCD about making sure preparedness. Everything is diagrammed and mapped and and uh, color coded. That's just the way I work. Um, and so. I wonder, I don't know if that place has that. Maybe they do. Maybe they have that level of documentation. But it, it seems to me that if you are, if you try to set yourself up as an island, you run the risk of being stranded on an island. You know, if the ferry sinks, you're in trouble. You're, there's nothing out. I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time stretching this analogy. As soon as I said island, I pictured that, uh, that uh, congressman who was afraid that Guam was going to tip over, and that blew my train of thought. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, Mark, what this what this gets to, and you know, the funny thing is, is this doesn't this isn't a situation that's unique to technology. Um, I saw it in the finance world too, and it's any time that you are uh, basically a person in a position of leadership. Um you generally kind of have sort of a keys to the kingdom, uh, so to speak. 
you know, once you've risen up to a certain level of trust within an organization, you have access to certain things that other people don't have access to and things like that. And you get things set up and working a certain way. And uh, so like in finance, the same thing. If uh, me as a VP, I get hit by a bus one day, if that disrupts their business, even uh, over the course of, I mean, let's say just a month as they get somebody in and they start to kind of get things back up and rolling the way that they're supposed to be, that can cost them millions of dollars. Right. So it's a, it's a very serious issue. Uh, so uh, I, I certainly identified that when I was in finance and I always tried to do that to you know, the best of my ability is say, this is what I do. This is exactly how my day-to-day operations work. And so that somebody could come and sit in that seat, open this up. And yes, they might fumble through it for a day or two, but they had everything they needed there to, uh, to do the job. And, uh, you're right. I, while, while I was there, uh, we worked on making that happen and yeah, we would bounce it back and forth. And uh, this is probably a good bit of advice for anybody out there is, uh, you know, you need to bounce that off of somebody, uh, particularly if you're in any kind of shop that you're not a one man shop. If you got at least one other person is, Hey, if I wrote this down this way, would you, would you understand it? What other information would you need? And, uh, Mark, you did that. You would, you would bounce that back and forth. And does this make sense? When you look at this diagram, does it make sense to you? And, uh, if it made sense to me, then it certainly was going to make sense to, uh, somebody more knowledgeable. Right. So, so with that yeah. 25 minute introduction, uh, I have a few, um, pros and cons of the two ways of doing things. And I'm, I'm calling them the, the industry standard and the homegrown solution. And I thought we'd go through and just sort of discuss, um, some of the benefits of both. And we, we did this a little bit when we talked about poor school, rich school, uh, but I thought this would be an interesting uh, uh, different angle to take on it. So, um, in, a, in, a, in an industry standard solution where you say we're doing things the Microsoft way or the Cisco way or, God forbid, the NetWare way, uh, the Novell way, um, there, there are certain benefits. And one of them is that techs become commodities. You can go get MCSEs off an assembly line and just swap them in one with another. If everything you do is the Microsoft way and you're a quote unquote Microsoft shop, then you can swap out MCSEs all day, every day. A guy gets mad and quits today. You go to to dice.com and hire another one tomorrow and he just steps right in because everything is done the same way. You, you, you have to teach him the passwords, but other than that, that the methodology and the tools are there. That's a huge benefit. But one of the cons is that's almost always the most expensive way to do it. Right. Um, and so another benefit other than, than tax being commodities is there's training resources available. Go, you know, go Google MCSE training and see how many pages come up. It's no small number. So there's lots of, if, if you're doing things the Microsoft way or the Cisco way or whatever, uh, an industry standard way, the EITIA, whatever rules you're following, if you're doing things that way, there is a, a wealth of information about it. There's there are book resources, there's online training available. That you're there are probably classes at your local college or at your regional service center if you're in, in schools uh, that um, that can train you on on how to do things that way. Now there are adjustments, there are 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 fine tunings that you know I do things this way versus that way but the overall it's like it's like learning english if you speak english you can talk to a cajun or a surfer 
right? And those guys don't really speak the same language, but they're common enough there that you can understand and you can get on until you figure out what jambalaya is or how to hang ten. <laughs> I like that. That's a good analogy. Yeah. So there's there's vernacular, there's colloquialism that uh, that you have to learn when you walk into a new place, but you're all speaking the same language. Where whereas if you're a one man shop, you're speaking Esperanto. Nobody speaks that language. <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> Okay. Uh, and so uh, the the next thing, um, and this was something that was brought up in that interview, uh, is the 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 boss was telling me that the the senior network guy likes a particular vendor of of hardware that is a uh, a non standard vendor. Um, it would be like it, this wasn't who it was, but like like uh, if I like to buy Linux uh, servers from System seventy six, who I do. That's why I mentioned their name because I like them. Um, they're not on state bid lists. They're not on anybody's radar. Unless you're a, a, a Linux geek, you don't know who System76 is. However, I, I say you owe it to yourself to know who they are because their prices are outstanding for their product. But everybody knows who Dell is, knows who Dell is. So sometimes it's easier to get things past purchasing and past uh, the bean counters and past the superintendent and past the school board, those those farmers who don't know anything about tech but are in charge of your uh, your fate because they happen to have been elected uh, on the school board. They know the name Dell. They know the name Microsoft. You can get things approved much more easily in that way. And I think I think that's probably the reason most anybody would say, I'm a Dell shop. Sure, there are benefits to it, but I think the real reason is name recognition and easy to get things through the higher ops. Any comment okay. on that? Um. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly, uh, I guess there's some scalability things that go along with that too that I've certainly seen, and uh, it, it kind of gets back to what you're saying. I mean, uh, being uh, on the tech side of that uh, and being in a pretty much all Dell shop, uh, yeah, everybody learns Dell, and there's not this uh, you know hodgepodge of different things to learn, different systems to learn, and everything. So I guess in theory that makes it, uh, you know, it, it's more homogenous and uh, everybody feels a little bit more comfortable across the board. I, yeah, I don't know. I, you could debate, you know, the pros and cons of that probably all day long, but right. But those, but are it just, is a point. Right. Yeah. Those are just some of the pros that I came up with off of the top of my head. Um, now let's look at the homegrown solution. The, the, if your entire network is a Boris box, if you don't know what a Boris box is, by the way, Go listen to Everyday Linux episode thirty nine. You don't have There's to listen to a couple to- of episodes that that was <laughs> yeah. mentioned in. There's like the first episode where it was sort of first introduced, and then the second episode you guys really got into right. it. Yeah, you don't have to listen to anything else, but listen to episode thirty nine, and you'll understand what a Boris box is. It's the um, the the home the completely homemade appliance uh, where you go to you know micro center and buy a stick of RAM and a motherboard, and a hard drive, and a case, and a fan, and if you're our friend Solon, 74 other fans, um, <laughs> and and you build your own system, and then you put, write your own software on it, uh, and then you build your own GUI front end on it, and then you you make your own copper from ore in the ground. <laughs> it's, the, it's the doing everything your way uh, method. So let's say your entire network is that way. You've done everything 
your own way. Um, it can be, and often is much, much, much less expensive and leaner and faster. And you can, you can be much more adaptive. And it was, uh, one of the things that we were talking about before we went on the air, um, and if Sean, I've already forgotten what that was, but I remember it was at this part of the show, I was going to put that in there. So I hope you're going to fill me up in, uh, there, but it was, uh, the, there's the things where, where you can uh, be more nimble. I know what I was, well, it, it was what I was complaining about was not being able to like the in fog. my environment. Yeah. Exactly. Not being able to set up a fog server. Thank you. Um, and, uh, yeah. So where that's impacting me personally is, uh, yeah, we, we kind of have that, uh, I don't know, maybe a little bit of a network Nazi kind of thing going on, but, uh, you know, for fog to, to work properly or to work at all, it's got to, you know, when a machine makes that, that does that pixie boot and it's got a, your DHCP server has to pass the request through to the fog server. And so you have to set a setting in your DHCP server to allow that. Well, that's never flying in my environment. It's just not going to happen. So it's frustrating because here we are, and I'm sure we spend a ton of money on these Dell and Microsoft products. And we, and they are, you know, they're really great in some ways. There's a lot of great ways that we can manage configurations and things like that, uh, you know, on a widespread basis and all that. But if I want to image a machine, a computer or an entire lab, I have to go to those machines and and hit F12 during the boot process to enter into our imaging environment, and which can mean I have to drive all the way across town, um, which just seems ridiculous to me since I've been ex- exposed to fog. Um, you know, and, and so it, in it, our shop, when when I discovered fog. It was you need to make this entry in the DHCP server. It's like okay, let me go do that. There, right. it was there was no thought at all to it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, when you talk about that, that being nimble and everything, and this is a very real impact. I mean, here we are uh, at my district. You've got six techs, and we're literally having to drive across town to to image a machine, or God forbid, we have to image an entire lab because you literally have to boot each one up, wait till it gets to that point, hit F12, and you know go machine by machine. And I certainly I remember that from the the good old days, like I've been in tech forever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do remember having to do that and run around with CDs and things like that, but um, it just seems ridiculous. But you're right. I'm in one of those kind of enterprise big iron you know environments and uh we're, we're not nimble like that right so um one of the benefits of being um a do-it-yourself shop and i wonder i, I don't know um i would like to hear somebody uh, chime in i wonder if the the boris box method the 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 the, the, the island method the the tightwad tech method can ever exist in a large-scale environment I just don't know if that ethos scales. I'd like to try it sometime. I'd like to be set down uh, at at the helm of a school with 60,000 students and given the opportunity to prove that the Tightwad Tech ethos works there. But I've never seen it done because those guys who start out like me either hit a wall because nobody will hire them or nobody will promote them because they're too unconventional or they change their mindset because it's easier to get into the big iron uh, workflow way of doing things. Uh, you don't see often 
the 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 visionaries the and and I'm not calling myself a visionary, but you don't often see the visionaries in the uh, helming, you know, uh, Orange County schools or Washington D.C. public schools. That by the time they get there, they're very well and truly corporate guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just I, I think it, that's a career path. Pure and simple. I mean, if you're going to go that route, uh, you're going to end up being that way. I mean, if I stayed with my current school district for the next 10, 15 years or whatever and, and became the technology director there, I'd be having to run things that way, I'm sure. You know? Yeah, either to get there, you'd have to run that way. Or, um, well, that's what I wonder is, is do you have to change your mindset to ever get there? Or does the act of getting there change your mindset? I don't know. Uh, that that's a very good question. I mean, I wonder about that. Uh, I certainly do because I, I worry about. You know, I love my roots right now. The roots that you gave me, Mark. Uh, I, I really love that. I, I love the adaptability. I think it's also it gives you uh, a bit of uh, being creative. And, and I'm a very creative person. I love doing things where I can be creative. And it seems like that that way you can do that. You have a problem to solve and you can get creative and come up with the best solution. Uh, maybe not necessarily the most popular solution, but the best solution. Um, so, you know, that's really cool. And I hope that that doesn't happen to me over time. Uh, I, I can tell you one thing. If I ever get there, they're dang sure going to get a fog server. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you know, one of the benefits of of doing things the 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 homegrown solution way is that you can shift uh, the way you did things because we changed from our old way of doing things to fog in a day. We we saw fog went oh, all right, this is it. This is the way we do things now. It's right. that much better. Uh, and so there was there was no question, there was no debate, there was no board decision. It was uh, this is the much better way to do things now. Um, if you're a Cisco shop or a Microsoft shop, you're going to buy Microsoft solution. It doesn't matter how much it costs. You're going to buy it. And it doesn't matter if there's something better because it's not Microsoft. Now, if Microsoft bought fog, didn't change any, well, you can't buy an open source project. If Microsoft rebranded fog, called it Microsoft fog, it would be touted as the best imaging system ever devised on the planet. And and system admins everywhere would be opening up their DHCP servers. That's right. <laughs> oh, it's got the Windows 8 logo on it? Sure, I'm, I'm there. Um, yeah. But one of the downside is, uh, as we, we've already alluded to, any new staff coming in has to learn things your, day your way regardless of how much prior training they've had. Now, they can, like I've said, they can use that prior training, but it it's not necessarily going to... Um, be immediately beneficial to them. Um, and then, as I already said, that the continuity of experience. Like right now, you've left where we used to work. I'm the only guy there. There is nobody else. They haven't replaced you. When I leave, what are they going to do? There will be yeah. no continuity of leadership. That will be all my documentation, and that'll be there, and and hopefully that'll get them um, on, the, uh, uh, on the right path. But they will lose the 15 years of experience that built that system, they will just be having the system. And, um, I don't, I wouldn't want to walk into that situation. I wouldn't want to walk into the situation that I've created looking at it from that, from that standpoint, would I take the job 
as my own replacement? I, I don't know. I don't know if I would. Well, um, and I've, I've had to think about that because one, when I was there, that was a distinct possibility that if you did leave that I would be the one handed those keys. Um, and then two, yeah, there was the possibility of, well, if you left, they still may ask me back. So, uh, it's something I had to contemplate quite a bit. And one, I was glad, and we worked on that because we thought that that was a possibility, but, uh, in the end, I thought I thought about sitting in that chair many times, and I thought, I know what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be sitting there praying that it all works, <laughs> while I feverishly try to, you know, just get every bit of knowledge that I can. Uh, and that's the situation anybody would be in. You know, that learning curve would happen quicker for some than others. But uh, regardless, whoever plops down in that chair is going to be feverishly trying to go over it all and learn as much as they can about it, and pray it doesn't break in the meantime. Right. You'd have to learn my vernacular, my colloquialisms in a hurry. And while you would understand the basic language, um, you'd have to learn the idiosyncrasy. You'd have to learn that on our particular VM server, if it reboots, it doesn't always successfully clear out the temp files. And so you have to go in there with WinSCP and delete the lock files or the virtual machines won't restart. That takes... 12 seconds to do. It's not a big deal. But if you don't know that, um, you have major critical systems that won't start and you don't know why. Yeah. And you can literally spend days, you know, going through forums and everything else trying to figure out, figure that out. Uh, I remember when you taught me that, Mark. Uh, and you're right. It's some one of those obscure things that, you know, you knew, but somebody else just popping down in that chair wouldn't know. Right. And that happened. Uh, the system rebooted over the weekend. I wasn't there that Monday. Sean came in and, and like nine of our 15 virtual servers weren't working. And so he called me up and I said, what's happening? He said, well, we, when I started, I get this message. Oh, well, that's easy. Do this. And, and right. you know, he was back online in a couple minutes. But th it's just those little things like that. Like, like with Fog, um, another in our situation, the Fog server that we have things on uh, has a, a fairly small hard drive pool. So... I simply take the old systems that the images that we don't use very often and move them off to an external drive. So when you want to go back to a 2010 image, you've got to pull that back over to where fog is looking for it. Otherwise fog will just puke an error out at you because it's not there. Simple, prudent, effective, but that's a training issue that not everybody else is going to know. So yeah, there, there, there are things like that that have, have I'm not going to say I've, it's shaken my faith, but it's made me rethink the way I do things. Uh, and I'm not sure. Sure, I could say document, 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 and I have documented and I continue to, but I wonder if that's enough. I'm just not sure. Well, okay. So th I guess now we're getting to the point where I can ask this question because I've thought of it several times as you were talking, but uh, I have to turn the tables on you, Mark. I mean, what do you think? What, which do you think is the better way to go? Because, uh, you, you know, you're, you're almost kind of kicking your own methodology a little bit. And, uh, you said, yes, document, 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 which I agree with. And I think has to happen regardless, but, uh, you know, do you, do you pull back and go, uh, I guess a little bit more of the corporate standard way or, because I don't think that's even a realistic option for a lot of districts. Right. And I think right? that's, I think that's it. It's, uh, 
it's the short-term goals versus the long-term value. Um, and um, I don't think in my situation, doing things the industry standard way, pick any standard, and I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody, but if you followed the rules, we would not have what we have. We would never have the capacity to have what we have. I have right. provided, I think, a much better long-term value for my stakeholders, being the students and the teachers and, and the staff that I serve, by doing things in a non-standard way. I believe that. And I'm not going to go changing things because I think that it would be a step back. But it's made me acknowledge the, the, the Persian flaw. There are definitely issues there that you have to be fully aware of. And I think that you have to, you have to um, look, you know, look the, the tiger in the face and make your decision. You know, do I decide to ride this thing or do I decide to run from this thing? And I think every organization has to make that decision and stick to it and commit to it. Yeah, well, and I think, it, you know, in some ways, a, a lot of times, uh, and we're talking at like the superintendent level, the people that are making decisions on at that level, uh, that's, those are the types of things that scare them. So that's why I think they tend to oftentimes default towards the, uh, the, the corporate big iron way. And you hear the, the, the clarion call ring out time and time again, where's my 800 number? I want an 800 number. That was said in the interview uh, last week. Uh, the, the, the boss said one of the things that concerns me is there's no 800 number for anything that we do. And, and, you know, I'm trying to put myself in his position. He is providing for his stakeholders more than they could have on the budget and uh, within the constraints of, uh, of a quote-unquote standard system. He's providing better service, but there's a risk. And um, I think that we have been guilty on this show of glossing over that risk too often. So I, I guess I wanted to, to sort of bring it to attention and, and um, look it head on. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I like it. I, I'm glad that you did bring it up, Mark. And, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think the message that I'll put out there, I don't know if this, this would be your primary message, but would just be that. I mean, obviously uh, budgets force us into these situations where we have to come up with these creative sh solutions and man, it's awesome that we can do that. And it's, it's fun all along the way, but uh, there is a responsibility there and uh, document, document, document is the, is the best way I can put it. Uh, I loved when we went to Google docs there uh, because it was a great method of not only documenting, but making it searchable. Right. Uh, so, so that's one thing, uh, not only document things and boy, it's, I, texts tend to be horrible documenters. I mean, I guess if you ever looked at any kind of Linux documentation, if there's any at all, uh, it, it's usually pretty bad. So, uh, you know, try to not only document, but actually make it something that's going to be useful. Right. And, and I think the reason that, that geeks are bad at documentation is we assume everybody knows what we know. It's obvious to me, therefore it must be obvious to you, so I don't need to say it. And that's exactly the wrong way to think. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I have a particular strength there. Again, that comes from uh, my work in the finance world. But 
we documented things uh, ridiculously, but I learned a value in that. And now, even even now at my new at my new district, uh, we've transferred all of our documentation into Google Docs. And I asked immediately for uh, we need a uh, basically a noob section, right. somebody new coming into the district, uh, where just the basic stuff that you know everybody else takes for granted. Uh, we need a place for to put that stuff. So they set that section up for me, and I've kind of become the administrator of it now. And they all laugh at how detailed I am, but uh, they laugh because they're looking through their eyes. Right. That's a lesson you taught me when you came to work for me, because I would say something um, like, well, that's the thing here, and you would look at me like, how am I supposed to know that? And, right. And nobody had ever asked me that question before. I don't, I don't know how you're supposed to know that. You're just supposed to know that. <laughs> right. like, where, where is that written? I, it's not. I just, I know it. And now I told you, and now you know it. So he right. would go, you know, before we had Google Docs, before we had uh, the, the, the tools, we had a wiki. Uh, and even before that, um, he was just writing post-it notes all over the place. Just ever his his desk and his monitor was littered with post-it notes, <laughs> and over time those post-it notes became our documentation because he was he was siphoning my knowledge from me in little pieces, things that I just always knew and assumed were common knowledge. He showed me that they weren't that they were, and it was it was partly because that was his first job in tech, but also um, largely because this was an entirely homegrown solution and nobody knows what I know about it. And so right. yeah, I think uh, if there's any point that we have to hammer home here is that if you're going to um, do things your own way, make sure that somebody can follow in your footsteps. Well, and not only that, but you really ultimately you end up making life easier on yourself anyway. I mean, even if you're going to be there for the next 20 years, uh, people are going to come and go underneath you. And if you can have that documentation in place, uh, it makes it a lot easier for those people to come in. I mean, just like the situation you're looking at, Mark, if they had everything solidly documented enough, then they would really feel comfortable bringing you in because they'd say, you know what? Okay, we understand that, you know, you know A and B, but maybe you don't know C, but that's all right. We've got it. We've got a good program here. We've got everything documented. You're going to be just fine. Right. And they wouldn't have had to give me a weird test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if anybody will be able to pass that test to their to their satisfaction. Probably, I can't imagine, yeah. especially out there, out that way. If you couldn't, then there's probably not anybody in that part of the state. <laughs> Nobody who would work for what they were willing to pay. I'll put it that way. Right, right. All right, I, I I hope this hasn't been as rambling and disjointed as it's felt in my head. Um, but this was, um, like I said at the beginning of the show, thoughts that I was still thinking and am still thinking. So uh, let us know what you think. Um, comment in the on the on the blog post. Leave us a forum uh, post. Uh, email us. Let us know what you think. I'd like to come back and revisit this episode with feedback from our listeners. I, I would like to have have you sound off so much that we could in, do a, a whole other follow up show about it. I have I have raised the questions. I have defined the problem, and I need you as our community to 
to to find a solution or or tell me that it's not as big a problem as I think it is. You know what I'd love to hear, Mark. I'd love to hear from one of uh, one of our listeners. Maybe have them on and sort of do a quasi uh, listener spotlight. But I'd love to hear from one that basically got dropped into one of those situations. Yeah, yeah. You know where the 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 guy who was holding the keys to the kingdom did get hit by a bus and they got dropped in there and now they had to try and figure it all out. Right, and and I'll go further and qualify that. I don't want to hear about somebody following up into a mess where it was done badly and it didn't work. We've all had that situation. I, I wanna, I'm talking about a ship that, that works, that's not sinking, but that you don't know how to drive. Right. Do, do those exist? I don't know. Or are we all sinking and just don't know it? <laughs> you know, the, the Titanic made it a couple of hundred miles after that uh, iceberg, it hit the iceberg, but it's not safe to say it wasn't sinking just because it was still moving <laughs> forward. Ah, deep thoughts, deep uh, thoughts. I am Mr. Analogy tonight. Uh, that's, yes. That, that's the way my brain thinks. I compare things to other things. And so we're just getting a, a, a glimpse of that tonight. So uh, that's our show for you. We don't have any tips of the week or, or any um, nice bows to wrap things up. I'm sorry, it's not a, it's not a Cosby sitcom. Uh, we can't just sit down and, and uh, wrap it all up in a nice, neat little bow at the end. It, it's more questions than answers. Uh, and I hope it's been a good show, and I, I want you to tell me what you think. And, Sean, how can they do that? All right. Yeah, I, I kind of like that you're handing this stuff off to me. I enjoy this part for some reason. It's... Uh it soothes me, gets me ready for bed. Uh, the There are many ways that you can contact us out there. Uh, we'll start off with uh, our website, elementopi.com. Uh, so you can go. It, son. Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't quite have the mark magic, but uh, yeah, go to our website, check it out. There's many other ways that you can contact us there just, uh, just through the website. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at elementopie and then slash tightwadtech. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash element Opie, or you can call us 559-I-M-Opie and uh, call us, leave us a message. Uh, you can either just uh, say, hey, we're great, or hey, we, we suck for whatever reason. Or uh, if you have a question or uh, you know show comment or show suggestion, anything like that, you can just simply dial that number, uh, leave us a message, and we will get that. And uh, may or may not incorporate it into the show. Uh, uh, Mark, I have to say that I uh, uh, recently used that number myself. Uh, I am simply a listener uh, of Everyday Linux and uh, have been enjoying that show and have been getting deeper and deeper into different Linux distributions and having fun with that. And uh, I use that number to dial up and ask a question. I'm, I'm waiting to hear that episode come out. Did, did you guys... Uh, did you guys hit that at all? Uh, no, it's, uh, it, it was one of those, it wasn't a good question, Sean. Um, <laughs> Go and, figure. And, and, and I'm not, I'm not attacking you, but there, there are people, we do get feedback that we can't use sometimes. And this was one of them right. and it's a good object lesson. You had a very specific question about a very specific set of circumstances that doesn't really translate to a show. So what I did was just answer your question on our next phone call. And that's I ha I do that sometimes. Somebody oh, okay. will somebody will ask a question and I'll just fire off an email instead because not everything makes a good uh, uh, show topic. If it's if it's incredibly specific, 
then there's not really anything for us to work with. So if if you had oh, yeah. left us feedback and it didn't make it to the show, um, that's probably why. But I don't ever ignore anybody, or I try not to anyway. So if you feel ignored, right, uh, let me know because that may be something that just slipped through the cracks. Right, right, yeah, and that was that was a very specific problem that we were having uh, on a very. I think even it was specific to a, a hardware set. So, uh, but I thought I'd throw it out there. Yes. But either way, it was it was fun to dial up the number and use it. I have to say, and it's so it's so dead easy. I mean, just dial the number, and then the Google Voice thing comes on and says, you know, uh, leave your message or whatever. It's very simple and straightforward. And so. Sean was so long winded that the three minutes that Google Voice gives you wasn't enough. He had to call back and leave a second message to finish up yeah. the question. Yeah, I really did. Yeah, but it, I mean, like you said, it was a very specific uh, question. So I was trying to give all of the details. You know, uh, it, it's like I didn't want to be the guy going, uh, my computer's not working. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know? Well, I've so, got yeah, one of those but, sitting right here on my bench, and that's a, that's all I know about it is my computer's not working. Right, right. And it, I guess in the interest of that, we should wrap this up because you have more work to do after we finish. Yeah, I've got to be ready to do uh, four other shows this week. So thanks for listening, everybody. And, and I mean that. I don't just mean this show. I mean thanks for being a listener. You're the reason we do this. And if we don't say it often enough, let me say it now. We appreciate the fact that you give us an hour of your time every week, your most valuable commodity you give to us, and we appreciate that. So thanks for listening. If, uh, As I often say, if you like what you hear, tell everybody you know. If you don't like what you hear, tell us, and we'll try to fix it. But the best way you can help us is to spread the word and, and go ye therefore and make disciples. Amen. That wasn't sacrilegious at all, was it? <laughs> nah. Okay. <laughs> This is a great show. Thank you, Sean. I'm glad that you approve. And thank you for <laughs> show. So having said that, I will simply say, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>